to St. John's Sermons, a podcast from St. John's Lutheran Church, North Prairie, Wisconsin, a congregation of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. We offer this podcast with the loving encouragement to use it as a supplement to your own regular reception of the Lord's gifts of forgiveness and life in word and sacrament on the Lord's day. The Lord bless your hearing of these sermons. Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, Amen. The text is the epistle lesson with some help from the Holy Gospel. Dear friends in Christ, here is the word. In the middle of uh, some of the exhaustion of the last couple of weeks since my mother's passing, I remember at one point I was down in our basement. I sat down in the recliner and I pulled out the remote control. I turned on the television. I turned on Apple TV. I pulled up the YouTube app and I typed in three letters. S-N-L. I was looking for something funny, as you can tell. And the first thing that came up in the search list was top 10 SNL skits. So I went to it. It was a video put together by BuzzFeed.com. I don't know if you've ever heard of BuzzFeed, but BuzzFeed specializes in top 10 lists. They... Some of them get absolutely silly. I can't understand our modern day's fascination with lists. I'll just be honest with you. Top 10 varieties of cookies and cream ice cream in America today. I mean, really? But I watched it, I enjoyed it, and I thought to myself, and to think that I wasted two and a half hours watching that 40th anniversary special that had almost nothing. (laughs) It was terrible. It was awful. But I enjoyed that particular video, but it got me thinking about lists. Why are we so fascinated with them? You ever, uh, um, like, watched VH1? Back in the day, VH1 was all music videos, and then it became lists. After list, after list. Top 20 songs of the 1990s, top whatever. I mean, this fascination with it. And I, to me, there's very little creative about a list. I mean, when you write out a grocery list, you're not being creative, are you? You're just kind of looking at your needs and you're chronicling them and getting ready to go to the grocery store. When you do a to-do list, you're not being terribly creative. I would like to see a to-do list that uh, has something that I've never done before, like on my to-do list for tomorrow. Go skydiving. Of course, we call that the bucket list, right? But at the end of the day, lists are just... To me, necessary evils. If it weren't for my bad memory, I would be just as happy without all these lists. Christianity, as I said before when I was talking to the children, is not a to-do list. It's not, and it doesn't mean because we're Christians we're all of a sudden very good at to-do lists. We're all of a sudden very good at keeping the Ten Commandments. It seems to me that one of the striking things about the most faithful people in the Bible is they don't stand up before others and try and tell you what wonderful spiritual warriors they are. Which is funny, because I hear a lot of Christians today doing that. But Abraham would have no reason to. For every good thing he does, there's an equally awful and opposite bad thing he does. David wouldn't have a very good reason to do this either. He doesn't thump his chest and say, look at me and what a good boy I am, especially after his little encounter with Bathsheba. He writes Psalm 51... And if you go read Psalm 51, which is an important psalm for 
the season of Lent, but it's also an important psalm for the Christian life in general. David's not saying anything much good about himself. He does say, now that he's forgiven, towards the end of the psalm, what he will do about that, which is a matter of teaching others God's ways and things like that. But he doesn't thump his chest and say, look at me. He doesn't pull out a plum and say, what a good boy am I. He hasn't done terribly good on God's lists or list, the Ten Commandments. Oh, he has his great moments. He also has his pretty lousy moments. That sounds like you and like me. There's nothing terribly creative about a list. God gave a list, the Ten Commandments, and we should take that seriously. Recognizing all along that we will never take it perfectly seriously. Only one was able to do that, and that's where Paul takes us in Romans chapter 5. He doesn't throw at us a list. He does throw at us four what I would call characteristics of the Christian life, but he doesn't really do that like the Ten Commandments. He doesn't write a list. He more or less kind of comes at this like an artist trying to paint a portrait, which requires a lot more creativity in the end. Paul essentially challenges us in Romans chapter 5 to look into the face of Christ on the cross and try and conclude what that means for our lives every day. He throws a picture at you. So in your mind's eye now, I want you to see that picture. Jesus nailed to a cross. What do you see? And you tell me if Paul's list, which I don't think it is, Paul's characteristics, Paul's attributes of the Christian life flowing from that cross are what you see. Paul says he sees suffering. Which connects over to our Holy Gospel lesson, where Jesus makes also a promise to his disciples. It's the sort of promise you don't always want to get. If anyone would come after me, he must take up his cross and follow me. So this list of characteristics begins at a very unusual place. A place we don't like to go. A place that often, when it happens to us, causes us to raise questions about God and whether God really loves us. Jesus says, you follow me, you can count on it. You will suffer. It will happen. The Bible also says that living in a sinful and fallen world, we're going to suffer. You can count on it. Pain, sickness, and indeed all the other emotional pain that we often inflict on ourselves through the way in which we live our lives and the mistakes we've made and all of that leads to that. But now presuming that the solution to that suffering is also in that Jesus that's in our mind's eye on the cross bleeding out for us and for our forgiveness, the next thing that Paul mentions the next word's pretty important, too. And it's very cross-centered. Endurance. Can you imagine from, say, 9, 10 o'clock on Thursday night till he dies at 3 in the afternoon on Friday afternoon? Can you imagine what sort of self-control it must have taken Jesus 
not to shout back, not to throw the, the accusing finger at his accusers, not to cry out the injustice of what was happening to him on the cross, to say very few words indeed from the minute he's lifted up for your salvation. Some of the words, I can remember one time having to preach the words, I thirst, and to this day I have no idea that they mean anything more than that he was just thirsty at that moment. How do you preach that? He doesn't say much of anything. Patiently, quietly, calmly enduring. All the way to the end. And if this life for us Christians does sort of begin at that place of, you're going to have sufferings, you're going to struggle as a Christian. You know, those Ten Commandments, could, they could cause enough suffering on their own. As we wrestle with why we don't keep them always, or, or how impossible it seems to keep them. And yet, during this life, following in the way of Jesus, letting Jesus' cross define who we are, it creates endurance. We continue to move through this life somehow getting to the end victorious by the gift of the forgiveness of sins in Christ which flows from his cross. This life is a marathon. And we endure it all the way to the end. Paul's list, I notice, starts with probably the most negative and harsh word, but it continues to get better and better as it goes. And I think that's a illustration of the, uh, the, the, the gospel that we have in Christ Jesus. Because he goes from suffering to endurance to character. As you learn to endure through those sufferings, you gain a certain sense of character. A certain, uh, okay, you know, you know I love to do occasionally words of the day. A certain indefatigability. Does anyone know the meaning of indefatigability? My, my daughter does. That's scary. That's scary in of itself. What is it? Yeah, you can't be beaten. You don't get fatigued. You can't be beaten. You already have a victory. And it's manifested itself every time you've had to endure it. Every time you've had to endure through a suffering, this, that, and the other thing. When Christ's cross becomes the cross that you end up bearing in this life, knowing that His cross cover the sins of the whole world, yours included, you start to learn to live in that victory, and that produces character. I think every one of us in this room probably has someone in their lives who embodies Christian character for them. Someone who quietly and patiently put up in the midst of struggles. Someone who endured Someone who suffered with grace, maybe. And someone who embodied so much the patience in whatever that you see in Jesus. Now, ultimately, those people that embody that for us still had a sinful nature. So when we really want to see this in action, again, we look at Jesus. Jesus' character. Jesus' willingness to address people's needs, their biggest need of all. The need for the forgiveness of sins and salvation and life. His willingness... To go to a cross, I hear tied to this word character, the word love, which is where Paul goes later in the argument. This is how we know what love is, that while we were still sinners, Christ Jesus laid down his life for us. 
Paul is now painting a picture. This really isn't a list. He's, he's painting a picture of what life looks like when it is shaped like Jesus' cross. Some people call it the cruciform life. That means the shaped like the cross life. And lastly, Paul's list ends with the word whole. Knowing there's going to be sufferings, knowing we must endure, learning how to endure, gaining character from all of that, knowing that we have a victory in Christ Jesus that's been imparted to us, it's been given to you as a free gift. It's not your victory, it's Christ's victory, but he's credited, to, credited it to you, Luther said, as if you won it yourself. Knowing that, let the devil bring it on. He's not going to win. Knowing that, even though this life will end with us drawing our last breath, exhaling one last time, never to inhale again, we get eternal life. And knowing that when that body is laid in that grave, even six feet of dirt are not going to stop our bodies from coming out when the resurrection happens Oh, we have a hope that doesn't quit, my friends. We have a hope that doesn't stop. It knows no limits. It doesn't have an end. It, as Paul says in the text, does not put us to shame. It does not disappoint us. It is always there for us, and we will always have it. And it wells up to a life that never ends. And you, if you had to rely on ability to keep God's Ten Commandments' his list would never have that hope. So, when Moses died, I'm using Luther language here, the law died in its inability to save us. But Jesus' cross gives us all that. Paul does this in so many different ways throughout his writings, including the fruits of the Spirit at the end. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. All of these are yours in the grace of God and the forgiveness of sins, purchased by his love, which went to a cross, which while we were still sinners, was demonstrating that Jesus went to a cross and died for us, died for you. Part of Paul's argument is that hardly anyone else would ever do that for someone, right? Give up your life for someone? Maybe our spouses. Maybe a really great person in our life, but it's not something that we would find easy to do. And what God is essentially saying is, don't worry, I got you covered. You don't have to. My son will do it. He'll do it for you. Because I love you. And I want you to have all that. From the suffering, to the endurance, to the character, to the hope, to the love, to the joy, to the peace, to new life in this life, to eternal life in the next, to resurrection, body and soul, in the new heavens and the new earth. This thing has no end. And we call Christianity. God be praised he hasn't let us try to figure out a way to keep some sort of list to get there. Because if that were what it was all about, I'm not getting there. And neither are you. Christ kept it. Christ fulfilled it. 
And then Christ made the ultimate sacrifice that makes you like him. Gives you a life like his. Gives you a victory that is his. And gives you a hope that never ends. God be praised for that gift. A gift we could never earn for ourselves. But which he so freely gives us. Now, in a few minutes at his altar. And every time we come into his presence. And hear his word. And receive his gifts. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding guards your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. This podcast is a service of St. John's Lutheran Church in North Prairie, Wisconsin. For more information, including locations, service times, and links to other Lutheran agencies, please visit our website at www.stjohnsnp.org. That's www.stjohnsnp.org. Theme music performed by Mr. Philip Magnus. Uh,